Welcome, welcome, welcome to Crosspoint. For those of you that, that are interested, um, I just thought I'd share this because I just learned this. Uh, Clyde's sister, Lola's here today. I asked her if he has always been nice, and she said yes. So for those of you wanting dirt on Clyde, we still don't have any. I've been looking for it, but it appears to be non-existent. So apparently he really is as good as he seems, and the rest of us will never match up. So take that. Now, getting into this morning, we will be in John chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 25 through 59. Uh, should be on the screen, I believe, um, but it is in the Bible app. So if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can go to live events, search for Crosspoint Fellowship, find the one in Republic, select it, and you can follow along with us. Also, if you have a paperback Bible, we don't discriminate. We would appreciate you following along there as well. Uh, quick question for you guys. Does Do any of you... And it could be husband, I'll say kids, and my wife, it's one and the same. Uh, do any of your kids ever tell you that they're just starving? <laughs> right? Like, starving. Cordelia has started this new thing, and I know I always share stories about her, but she's my muse, so get over it. <laughs> Where she just is, I mean, about to die, starving. Like, big fat tears will roll. I need to eat now, or I might die. Like that type of thing. And we've had to explain to her that, you know, you really don't know what starving is, and you've never really been hungry a day in your life. And, you know, you have kids in your school that, that only get to eat during the school week, and you should be very happy that you get food pretty much whenever you want. You can wait five minutes. And there are a lot of times where she's just like, I'm starving. And you'll be like, Cordelia. And she'll be like, and there's her, like, snack bar that she's eating, <laughs> or the banana or apple, and you're, she's like, oh, Sorry walks off, right? But it's that hunger that kids experience, that starvation that where they just need to be replenished and they just need filled. It's that same hunger that we're supposed to have for Jesus. Today we're looking at John chapter 6 and we're looking at the part of the passage where Jesus explains that he is the bread of life, where he has come to um, cure that insatiable hunger that we all have and that he's here to fill us and, and to give us a new direction in life. So that's where we're going to be looking. We, we find Jesus, this is right after he feeds the 5,000, okay? And we're going to be uh, John chapter 6. I am going to read from verse 25, uh, but we're going to go from 25 to 59. And I will, oh, we have him. Phil, you the man. Okay, so this is what they say. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe and the one he has sent. So the crowd, they show up, they find Jesus, right? Jesus finds himself on the other side of the lake. They go to find Jesus, and Jesus calls them out. He says, you guys are only looking for me because I fed you, right? You came, you ate to your fill. You didn't care anything about the fact that I took a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread and fed all of you. You're just happy that you're fed. And here you are looking for another free meal. And he doesn't really... Um, come down on them necessarily for that, but he, he explains that, hey, I'm here to offer something more. I've got something more to give you. And so for us, right, he, he tells them, he says, they're chasing things that spoil. For us, a lot of those times, it's that quick answer to prayer. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, Lord, I woke up late. I need to get to work on time. Let these next three stoplights be green. Or, uh, God, if I hear this kid talk about being hungry one more time, you know, I'm going to snap. Those types of things. And, and those types of prayers, in and of themselves, they aren't bad, but that's small picture stuff, right? And, and Jesus is here to say, look, I'm looking at the big picture. Big picture, I want you to never go hungry again. Big picture, Jesus explains that he can give food that lasts forever. Can you imagine never being hungry? Think about that. Can you imagine really never being hungry? Some of us can if we eat like on a schedule, right, and we eat way too much. Um, we may know what that feels like to, to really never be hungry. But we're, we're talking about Jesus saying, listen, you will literally never hunger again. Not even the slightest pang of like, man, I could just use a protein shake or a snack bar or a thing of chips, right? We're, we're, I mean, Jesus is really saying, hey, I'm, I'm trying to give you food that lasts forever. I'm trying to give you your feel, your fill. You want this one meal, but Jesus is here to offer eternal life. Jesus is here talking about so much more. It's that shift in focus from um, God, uh, you know, it's a shift in focus from Jesus, please give me this, to God, I know you're in control of this. See, the power of God is that Jesus', Jesus value isn't in what he can do in the right now for you, the small picture stuff, but it's how he can completely transform your life. It's how he can completely transform your life. It's a shift from praying wishfully to praying expectantly, knowing that God is in control of everything, knowing that you will be all right, regardless of the outcome of a situation, and knowing that, that God can really fill your soul and fill your life in a way that wasn't uh, previously known or expected. And then they want to know, God, what do we have to do for this? Like, what work do we have to do for this? What, what, what's our side of things? And Jesus explains in verse 33, I think it's 33, it's not 33, it's uh, 29. He says, look, all you have to do is believe in the pro provider. That's literally all you have to do. You have to believe. You're going to notice as we go on that lots of this chapter reflects John 3.16. And you're also going to notice in this chapter that we see Jesus use a phrase uh, four times in this chapter. And what he says is, very truly I say to you, or very truly I tell you. Now this is Jesus' nice way of saying, listen up, dummies. It really is. Because after that, he's imparting this knowledge on them uh, of things that they weren't quite understanding. And, and for the Son of God to really say, look guys, I'm actually serious about this. Like I'm really, really serious about this. It's kind of that light bulb that says, oh, we should probably pay attention to that. Okay, so pay, pay attention to that in this chapter as we go on through it, look for that, and, and let's look at the things that happen after that. We're going to look at uh, John 6, 30-33. And here's what these verses basically explain to us, that God is the giver of life, okay? God is the giver of life. That's the second point. If you're taking notes, write that down. God is the giver of life, and this is what those verses say. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, listen up dummies. It is not Moses who has given you this bread from heaven, but it is my father who's, who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So this crowd, they're all about it, right? And I understand that. Like if somebody came to you and said, hey, I can ensure that you'll never be hungry again, never have to worry about food, you'd be like, yeah, okay, game. 
How do I get that? And so they're all about it. They're like, uh, give us this bread. We'll take it. Now, I don't know about the rest of you guys. Um, I don't know why this would come up in your head, but I'll tell you what came up in my head. There's some Austin Powers movies, okay? There was a, there was a character back in the day. He was rather large, and he always had that saying, get in my belly. You know what I'm talking about? That guy, get in my belly. And that's what I'm thinking. Like These people are like, yeah, we'll take this bread. Get in the belly. I want it. Okay, I want this bread. Whatever you're talking about, you mean you'll never go hungry again. Send it on over. We're taking it. Okay? Jesus goes on. Listen, I am that bread from heaven. You're looking at this bread to fall from heaven. I'm what's come from heaven. I am that bread from heaven. And so the people are kind of looking at him. My, like, you know when you ask a puppy a question, and they kind of give you that, that look? Or you, like, make a noise in there? I'm thinking that's how people are looking at Jesus. I am that bread from heaven. And they're like, huh? Bread, Jesus' bread? What? Your bread from heaven? See, he goes on to say that whoever comes to me will never hunger, will never thirst. This is talking about complete fulfillment. And this is what Jesus is offering to each and every one of us. John 6, 47 through 51, this is what they say. Uh, 47 through 51, it says, Very truly I tell you, listen up dummies, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So we look at these verses, and it's starting to become a little more clear, right, that Jesus isn't really talking about bread here. Like, not physical, break the loaf in half, dip it in some olive oil, eat the bread. Because the bread he comes to deliver is to give eternal life. And he, he gives the first inclination that when he's talking about his body being consumed on the cross, right, he, he came his, to give the bread that gives eternal life. And so he goes on and he starts to explain more things to them. And this is the gist of what he's saying in, in the final verses in this chapter. Food only has worth when it is consumed. And this is where things, quite frankly, get a little freaky. Okay, if you haven't read this chapter before, if you haven't read these verses before, you're going to be looking at me like they were. Hmm? So let's look at those. It's, it's John 6, chap, uh, chapter 6, verses 52 through 59, and this is what they say. Then the Jews begin to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, listen up, dummies, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. Second time we've heard that. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. If someone came up to you and said that, what's your first thought? 
got to get out of here, <laughs> right? If you have kids, it's where are my kids? I've got to get out of here. Uh, but regardless, if somebody comes up to you and, and makes a claim like that, it's going to make you stop and think. Like, either what is this guy on or what in the world does he actually mean? He goes on to say that his flesh is real food and his blood is real drink. Now, first impressions, right? You may be thinking, well, clearly he's talking about communion. But historically, that doesn't match out because Jesus didn't introduce the Eucharist until like a year after this point in Scripture. And so while we may draw that conclusion and why there may be some parallel to that, I mean, he is Jesus and can foresee what's coming down the road would be my assumption there's really not a connection there that we can draw. So, what? Hear me out, okay? Hear me out. Let's read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. This is what they say. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Consensus, who are, who are these verses speaking of? You can shout it out, I'm not. Anyone? No? Bueller? Jesus. Right? In the beginning was the word. Jesus was in the beginning. And so, let's draw this connection. You can tell me I'm wrong, but... Just hear me out. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is also the word. We must consume Jesus' flesh and blood to live forever. Therefore, we must consume the word to live forever. Welcome to philosophy class. But the connection is there. Think about it. What happens when we consume food, right? We eat food. Food becomes a part of our body. It's expelled out in energy after it turns itself into energy, but it literally becomes a part of us. So when we consume Jesus, he becomes a part of us. He gives us life. And then life is expelled from us into the world around us. Now, how amazing is it that this Jesus who gives life can not only give you life, but give life through you? Because that's what takes place. You see, when we consume Jesus, his word, his teachings, the fact that he was radically different than those around him, he had to say some radically different things to open up people's minds and to open up their ability to think about the things that he was saying. They really had to question and wrestle with the things he said because some of the things were in direct opposition to Jewish culture around them. Like, you have to consume my blood? They don't consume any blood, right? Let alone human blood. That ain't happening. But Jesus was really trying to test them and stretch them and open up their minds. And, and he does the same thing for us in Scripture too. But the greatness of God, the fact that he is the bread of life, is that when we consume that bread, we have life. When we consume that bread, we have life. And Jesus can use us as imperfect vessels to give life to those around us. And that really, at the end of the day, is the calling of Christianity, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. The last thing that Jesus said before he left this earth. So not only did Jesus come to give eternal life to you, but he came to give eternal life to those around you through you. And so we do play a part in this. 
But what work is it that we have to do to receive this? Belief. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes gets life. Whoever believes gets life. Right? Christianity is different in a lot of religions that, in a lot of other religions, it's whoever believes doesn't get death. Right? That's the focus. It's like follow these rules, you don't die. In Christianity, it's the opposite. It's if you abide by my teachings, if you call yourself one of my own, if you believe in me, you shall have life. Now, I'm not stupid. I know the opposite side of that is you don't die. Okay? But the, the focus is different. Jesus wants to bring life to you and through you, not just eternally, but in this world as well. He wants to shift your focus from focusing on Jesus, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. To Jesus, everything's going to be okay because your hand is in it, and I know you have control. And in life, we can, we can live life two ways. We can live life in fear, always worried about not measuring up, always worrying about failing Jesus, which, by the way, not scripturally accurate. Or we can live life in the confidence that we serve a Jesus who's done bigger things than we could even possibly imagine accomplishing. As a church, we're facing a turning point. It's just where we're at. And we can live in two different sides. We can live on two different sides of the fence, right? We can live in the fear and we can say, we need this and we need this and we need this and we need this or we're going to die. Or we can say, God, you have control over all this. Let us live. Give us life. And that situation isn't just corporately, but it's in our everyday lives as well. We all face those decisions. Decisions of life or death. What, what I'm about to say to a coworker, does it give them life? Does it give them death? Did I build them up? Did I tear them down? What about a friend or a spouse or a stranger? How am I impacting the world around me? Am I giving life or am I giving death? As Christians, we're called to be little Christ. We're supposed to mimic Jesus. And if Jesus is the bread of life, if he came down for heaven, from heaven for the sole purpose to allow his body to be consumed on the cross so that life could be given, shouldn't we too give our lives to give life, to serve others, to improve the world around us? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as, as ourselves? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? And I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying, think about it. Could you do better? I can. I'll be the first to admit, I can do better. As individuals, I think we can do better. As a church, I think we can do better. As a nation, I think we can do better. Christianity as a whole, I think we can do better. But each one of us has to die to ourself and live in Jesus. And that takes one thing, belief. Jesus is the bread of life. God is the giver of that bread. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. We thank you for...
who you are and what you've done for us. Uh, God, you, you can answer those small, everyday task lists of prayers that we may have, but you are interested in so much more. You're interested in transforming our life. You're interested in transforming our outlook. You want us to desire you and believe in you and spread life to the world around us and to give the light that you have shown on us. And God, I pray that as a church and as individuals, you allow us to act in a way that does that. Every single day, every single minute, help us to live according to how you would want us to live. Give us the strength to make the decisions that are tough. Give us the wisdom to make the decisions that are right. And Lord, above above all else, help us to live as holy representations of you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to be in the corner right over here, my left, your right. If you need to pray, come see me. Okay, before you leave this place, come see me. There is strength in numbers. All right, I know that it takes some guts, and I know that it's nerve-wracking to, to walk in front of a lot of people or have people turn their head and look at you as you walk by, but there is strength in numbers. God called us to, to come together as groups of people to lean on one another and to have that strength. So if God's calling you to pray today, come see me or grab somebody else, that's fine. But don't be afraid to pray. Don't not leave your seat because either one, you're nervous about what people will think or two, you're so bullheaded like me. Oftentimes you think you should be able to handle everything by yourself. We're not called to do that. We're not required to do that. This is your time. Whatever reflection needs to happen, whatever prayer needs to take place, this is the time for you to do that. So like I said, I'll be over there. The band's going to play a few songs. We will take offering. Know that you are being prayed for every week, that we as a leadership team love you, and that what we really want for you more than anything else in this world is to experience the life that only God can give.